Hello friends, this is Chaplain Gary Rayburn, Lonesome Road Ministry, and we're getting ready to have Church on the Road. Hey, we're bringing a church to you right where you're at, in the cab. And we do it in a lot of different ways. We have a radio program, LonesomeRoadRadio.com. We have podcasts. We have CD ministry. We also have a telephone conference line. So log on to LonesomeRoad.org for our podcast and to order some of our CDs. And if you'd like to listen in on our conference line, we get together every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Central Time, 4 p.m. Mountain Time, and 3 p.m. Pacific Time. Just dial this number, 727-731-5062. So buckle up and come right along with us. We're going to have Church on the Road.
Some folks call me crazy well, That's all right with me Well, some folks even hate me I don't let it bother me Well, they call me a rebel that's the way I choose to be Cause I don't hang out with no rowdy crowd And they just don't understand And when I see a man in trouble Will I reach out and lend a hand I go to church and read my Bible Oh, and I try to be a better man Did I mention? Well, my father is creator Well, my brother is a savior And I hang out with the mighty rushing wind I hold the title to a mansion on my way to heaven Did I mention I've been born again Well, some folks think that I'm really strange When I talk about my life Although this world is going crazy I got no trouble I'm on an inside track to freedom Oh, and I'm living in the light Yeah Well, my father is creator Well, my brother is a savior I hang out with the mighty rushing wind I hold the title to a mansion And I'm on my way to Savior, I hang out with the mighty rushing wind. I hold a title to a mansion, and I'm on my way to heaven. Did I mention I've been born again? Well, did I mention I've been born again? I've been born again. Yeah. Awesome program for you today. We're going to have church on the road, and I got my partner with me. Fred Mooney here. And I can't wait for you to hear this awe-inspiring message by our good friend, Richie Turnbow. It was preached right here on our conference line recently, and you're going to be blessed, I guarantee it. Here's uh, Chaplain Richie Turnbow. Well, guys, let me start off by saying that it's it's always an honor and a and a privilege to be able to to minister. And I'm going to tell you just like old Daryl Spicer always said. He said, "I appreciate the opportunity." 
and I do. Before I get started, though, I, I want to go ahead and, and give a little kudos here to Brother Cliff. You know, I listened to your message on Barnabas, and, sir, that was one of the best messages on Barnabas I have ever heard. And it was a great teaching tool and a great learning tool in that message. And uh, you guys need to find that recording number and go back and listen to it again and again. I'm telling you, there's a world of wealth inside of that uh, that will teach you and help you grow, and it will help point fingers at yourself and say, hey, what kind of Christian am I? What will they call me? So, th sir, thank you for that message. And I'm going to go ahead and pay you the compliment that you paid me. I believe it's the ultimate compliment that you could give any minister. If you were close to me in a church pastoring, I would be honored to sit underneath your teaching, sir. And by the comments that you guys have been making about this heat, it's obvious that summer is upon us. Matter of fact, we that first major heat wave of the season absolutely scorched the western part of the United States. We've seen in television in the last recent weeks that uh, degrees up to 114 in, in Las Vegas and 118 in Phoenix. And these experts, these weather experts, are calling this a blistering heat dome. What we also need to know that these hot days can lead people to suffer from not only dehydration and exhaustion, and in some extreme cases, heat stroke, but hot days are also associated with higher risk of a number of other conditions, normally things that we don't think of, like kidney problems and skin infections and preterm birth among pregnant women. Matter of fact, in this recent study that just came out, that there's a high risk in, uh, of people that are coming in emergency room visits for substance abuse uh, because of the heat and mood and anxiety disorders, schizophrenia and dementia See, heat will cause disorientation. Heat will cause confusion and instability. Heat will cause us to have erratic changes of thought in our moods. In other words, chaplains, excessive heat will bring about excessive pressure. And I want to speak to you tonight on the topic, when the heat's turned up. When the heat is turned up. And if you'll be in reference for the reading of the Word, I do have some reading here tonight. We're going to begin in the book of Daniel, chapter 3. And let's have some reference for the reading of the Word as we start here in verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold, whose height was threescore cubits, and the breadth thereof six cubits. And he set it up in the plain of Dura in the providence of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather together the princes and the governors and the captains and the judges and the treasurers and the counselors and the sheriffs and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the princes and the governors and the captains and judges and treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together into the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, which that's basically a trombone, 
the Saucery, which is just a small harp, the Dulcimer, which is just a small guitar that lays in your lap, okay, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king hath set up. And whoso falleth not down and worship shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. Therefore, at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, sackbut, sorcery, and the, all kinds of music, all the people, the nations, and the languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar, the king, had set up. My, my, chaplains. Now let's see what happens next. Wherefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, sorcery, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whosoever falleth not down and worship, that he should be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the providence of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They have not served thy gods nor worshipped the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if ye be ready, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the sorcery, and the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Question mark. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. But if not, be it known to thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Father, I thank you again for this ministry. Father, I thank you again for this time to, uh, that we could speak upon your word and speak upon your name. And, Father, I pray that you get the blessings upon the reading of your words. And, Father, let your Holy Spirit just resonate here tonight. Let these lips of clay honor you. And let me be the man of the hour to uh, glorify and edify your name. And I pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Now, guys, I had the, uh, the privilege of coming up and speaking uh, at Gary's uh, conference this year. And what an amazing event that it was. And I told them that were there that I had the privilege of speaking at a, a beautiful church in Lawrenceburg, Tennessee one night. And I'm telling you guys, I preached with everything that was within me. I left nothing on that sacred podium. 
I gave them everything that God had given me. And at the end of the service, one uh, gentleman came up and he told me, he said, your preaching is not my cup of tea. He said, but it's a fine cup of coffee. And I didn't know if I should be glad or offended, guys. So I hope at least tonight you're going to get a good cup of coffee out of this message. Recently, I have been moved by the passages of Scripture that we just read in Daniel chapter 3. The story of Daniel, at least the beginning part of that book, is about Nebuchadnezzar bringing the Babylonian captivity, several young men, including Daniel, but also three young men that have became known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He brought them out of their Hebrew culture, their Hebrew heritage, into Babylonian captivity with three primary goals in mind. First of all, he wanted to counsel their personality. They were Hebrews. They had their trust and their confidence in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They walked into Babylonian captivity bearing Hebrew names. Shadrach, whose name is Hananiah, means God is gracious. Meshach, whose name is Mishael, means who is like unto our God. And Abednego, whose name is Azariah, means God has helped. But Nebuchadnezzar wanted to remove them from that personality of faith and heritage that they had been raised to know. Secondly, Nebuchadnezzar wanted to remove them from their posture. We read the story. Nebuchadnezzar had set up a golden image, and on dedication day, the command was that everyone was to come, and when you hear the music wax its way through the Babylonian atmosphere, you will bow, and everyone did except for these three young men, Dadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They kept their posture. They maintained their stance. When everyone else acquiesced, or reluctantly participated, when everyone else gave up and gave in and bowed down, these three young men said, no, sir, we're going to keep standing. Because if you don't stand for something, sir, you will fall for anything, so we will just stand. Thank you. And they maintained their posture, which is faith tied to their heritage. Guys, are you starting to see the message here tonight? King Nebuchadnezzar not only wanted to remove them from their personality of faith and their posture of faith, but most importantly, he wanted to remove them from their purpose. Uh, their purpose. They were a purpose to be the people of God. Again, they were Hebrews and everything that that meant and everything that came with that. The commandments, the, the, the laws, the trust, the covenants, the faith. But Nebuchadnezzar wanted to remove that out of their minds and their history and their actions. I don't have to tell you and remind you, brothers and sisters, that there is a present King Nebuchadnezzar spirit in this world today. And the same three things that that ancient Nebuchadnezzar attempted to do, the present Nebuchadnezzar wants to do today. There is a spirit in this age that wants to remove us from our personality of faith and cause us to become more dependent on a culture of entitlement, a culture of secularism, a culture of humanism, a culture of accepting, accepting its ways and being more tolerant of its ways. 
But not only does this culture want us to remove us from our personality, but this last day culture wants us to change our posture. Again, there is a spirit in this age that seems to be saying, if I can pressure you enough, if I can intimidate you enough, if I can press in on you enough, I will cause you to bow and to change your posture and to acquiesce, to reluctantly do what I say is best for you, to change your way of thinking and believing, to trade your faith for a golden image of what I say is best for you. In other words, to, to give up on the things that you have believed all your life, and to give up on the things that a pastor has been preaching all his ministry, to gather to himself a crowd of itching ears. There is a move in this age, and you guys know it's true, that is trying to move us into at very least a place of neutrality of gender, a neutrality of what is right and wrong in God's holy word. And settling on the new age Nebuchadnezzar spirit is what is expected. A neutrality of terms. There is a spirit in this age that wants us to move towards a diluting, a watering down of our gospel of truth and our integrity of character. Give in is the call of today. Bow down is the call of today. Accept what I tell you is the call of today. Believe what I tell you to believe is the call of today. Back up and give in is the call of today. You see, there is a Babylonian spirit out there. It's all across this nation and all across the world today that wants to cancel out your personality, to cancel out your posture, but most importantly, cancel out your purpose. Our purpose has always been and will always be that we are the people of the Most High God, brought out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Our purpose is that we are to be the salt and the light of this world and to this generation. And when that music played, these three young men remained on their feet. And word immediately gets to Nebuchadnezzar that your law has been defiled. So he brings Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out of the public arena into a private setting. And he basically says this, I'm going to see if your private persona matches your public persona. I'm going to give you a second chance here, boys. And when you hear the sound of the trumpets and the flutes and the drums and all this music move through the air, do in here what you should have done out there, and we will forget about this thing and let bygones be bygones, and I will let you live. Bow or burn. That was the ultimatum. 2020 was a year of ultimatums. And I didn't come here to cast aspirations or to build walls that can't be jumped over. But I have come today to tell you something, guys, that regardless of what brought all of that on, that regardless of what caused it, that regardless of where it came from, I can tell you that the enemy said, I'm going to use this as a year of ultimatums against God's people. The church, the bride of Christ, do it my way or I'll shut you down forever. Do it my way, or I will silence you forever. Do it my way, or I'll show you who the God of this world truly is, 
do it my way, bow down to me, and maybe I'll let you continue on with this holiness business, but don't forget my golden image. When the music starts, bow down to me. But when the ultimatum bow or burn was given to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their response to the king was with these words, O king, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. In other words, we are not slow. We don't need three weeks to pray and fast about this thing. We can tell you right here, right now, what we're going to do and what we're not going to do. Now, guys, I'm going to tell you something as a child of the Most High God. There are some things you don't have to pray about. I was thinking about a sermon I preached back in 2019. And I preached on holiness and righteousness. And I preached on dedication and commitment. And a man told me after the service that he was going to pray about doing that. <laughs> and my response to him was, well, amen, brother. Welcome to the Word of God. And I'm going to tell you again. There are some things you already know. There are some things in the Holy Word of God that you can pray till the cows come home. You can fast until you lose 50 pounds, but it's not going to change the Word of God at all. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego looked at the king and said, We can tell you right here and right now, we don't have to have a committee meeting. We don't have to have a meeting with the board. We don't have to have a meeting with the elders. We don't need a vote from the congregation. We can tell you right now, we're not going to bow to your image. We will only bow to the God of our fathers and of Abraham. And when the king heard that, the Bible tells us that the form or the countenance or the form of his visage, his expression changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You see, he had great plans for these young men, along with Daniel and others. He wanted to educate them and prepare them for leadership in the Babylonian Empire. And they were going against everything that he wanted them to do. So he scowls at them, and his expression said to them, You have angered me. And listen to the command that he gave at this, he gave at this point. We can read it here in Daniel 3, verse 19. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it wants to be heated. So it prompts the question tonight, how do we react when the heat is turned up? You see, that fire was already hot enough to do damage. That fire was already hot enough to kill anybody given enough time. But Nebuchadnezzar's command seems to be expressing the point. I am so angered. You have defied me in such a degree that my revenge demands that we turn it up, not once, not twice, but seven times hotter than it is right now. And only when it's turned up seven times hotter than it is right now, then throw these young men in because I want to make a point. How do we react when the heat is turned up, chaplains? You see, there's a lot to be, that, that's been said about the year 2020 and then on. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time there, but just let me say to you that it seems to me that the enemy looked back and said, I'm going to turn the heat up on God's people. So we had the COVID-19 and all that went with it. 
that we had the racial strife, that heartbreaking racial strife, that we had the crazy political season that we all had to endure. And that doesn't even bring it to bear all that you've been through personally or what you've been through as a family or a church or a ministry. And it brings the question again, how do you react when the heat is turned up? You see, any one of those things I just mentioned was hard enough to deal with. Any one of those issues in and of itself or by itself was hard enough to deal with. But how do we react when the heat is turned up? How do we react when it's layered on top of one another? So you had the COVID-19. Then you had the racial strife. Then you had the political zoo show. And then you had the turmoil in your marriage and the turmoil in your family and the turmoil in the church and your ministries. How do we react when the heat's turned up? Let's go to Job's house for just a minute. Job, you're the greatest man in the East. The Bible says so. But what happened, sir? Well, just the other day, someone came to my house and announced to me that my livelihood has been taken away because of theft. A band of Sabaean marauders had come in and they had stolen the cattle and they stolen the camels and everything that I had that brought me income is gone just like that. But you can go in and check in on Job again here. Now we find out that his oldest son threw a party for the family and all the brothers and sisters had gone to the oldest son's house. And while they are there, a windstorm comes through and levels the house and all that were in was killed. Job's children are dead. How do you react when the heat's turned up, Job? Job said, that's not the end of the story. Let me tell you what happened next. I'm eat up with sores and sickness from my head to my feet. And despite all that, I've got three friends that have come from near and far and, and have sat and stared at me for seven days straight and haven't said a blessing thing. Not one single word, that's what the Bible says. And when the seven days had passed by, one of them spoke up and basically said, well, what did you do to make God so mad at you? How are you doing, Job? Well, it's just one thing right after the next. And may God bless my wife. She's so depressed and she's so discouraged. Listen, guys, I've heard some really good preachers send Sister Job down the road. I mean, after all, she's the one that said just curse God and die. But see, I'm not so hard on Sister Job. Because it occurs to me that Sister Job lost the same wealth that Job did. She lost the same children that Job did. And she lost the same status of being the greatest in the East, just like Job did. And now she's listening to three so-called friends of Job who came from near and far, and they are questioning his integrity, and they're questioning his motives, and, and none of these so-called friends are helping to bury the children. And Sister Job walks up and says, would you please stop, drop this integrity thing? How long are you going to keep up with this integrity thing with God? Just curse God and die. But when she says just curse God and die, that shakes Job. And his faith kicks in. And, 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 and Job says, this isn't all about me. This is about sweetie pie also. Now let's jump over to David's house. And then we'll come back to Job's house. First Samuel chapter 30 says, David rises up, up on Ziklag and discovers that the only thing that is left of things that used to be are the smoldering ruins of what was. And his house has been burned down. 
The enemy has taken away his and his men's family. His goods and his cattle and treasures have been stolen. And now the men he was leading have raised up against him because they don't think he's an effective leader. You're not making the right decisions in a time of crisis. You're not making quality decisions. You can't please us. So we're going to kill you and raise up another leader who will give us what we want. How do you react when the heat's turned up, David? I mean, it's just one thing right after another. And Job's problems came over weeks of time. But David's came in a day. It didn't take a year to happen. It didn't take a month to happen. In one day, David loses all that he had, and the men want his very life. But let's go back to Job's house. I know exactly what he's going to say. I know exactly how he's going to live. He said, I can tell you right, right now, honey, I came into this world with nothing, and when I leave, I'm going to leave with nothing. But while I live, I'm going to bless the name of the Lord because he gave it to me, and he can take it away. And the Bible said in all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. When Job's wife looked at him and said, curse God and die, he looked back and said, sweetie pie, if I can curse God and die, then that means I can bless God and live. And Job said, I'm going to put my trust in an awesome, almighty God. So how are you going to react when the heat's turned up, David? David said, I'm going to call for the priest ephod. And David encouraged himself in the Lord. And he recovered all. Listen to me, guys. I came tonight as a minister of the gospel. I came to you tonight to tell you that when the heat is turned up, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you but I'll go with you to the end of the age. So let me tell you something, brothers and sisters in Christ. When the heat is turned up, that means that that Nebuchadnezzar spirit is trying to bow your knees and compromise your faith with his image. There's only one image. There's only one way and one truth and one life. In Philippians 2, it says, Wherefore God hath also exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Acts chapter 4 said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given amongst men whereby we must be saved, and that name is Jesus. He's the Christ, the very Son of God. And may I tell you tonight that heaven and earth is moved when we invoke the name of Jesus. His name is the first and the last. He is the beginning, and he's the end. He is the keeper of creation and the creator of all things. He's the architect of the universe and the manager of all time. He always was, always is, and always will be. He's unmoved, unchanged, undefeated, and never undone. He was bruised and brought to us healing. He was pierced and eased our pain. He was persecuted and brought to us freedom. He was dead and brought to us life. 
The world can't understand him. The armies can't defeat him. The schools can't explain him. Herod couldn't kill him. The Pharisees couldn't confuse him. Nero couldn't crush him. The New Agers can't replace him because he's light. He is love. He is Lord. He's our Redeemer. He's our Savior. He is goodness. He is kindness. And he is holy. And he is God. His name is Jesus. And he will walk in the fire with you wherever you shall go. Hallelujah. How's the coffee, people? So how to react when the heat's turned up? Four things, and then I'm done. I'm out of here. Four things. Number one, we remain convinced and don't compromise. Listen to their speech. King, we are, we are not slow. We are not careful to answer you. In other words, we don't even have to think about this thing. God is able to deliver us from the fire, and we are convinced of that, and he will deliver us out of your hand. So there is no point in compromising. Now, in and of itself, compromising is not a bad thing, and it's not a bad word. We do it a lot. It's called give and take, people. You do it in business. You do it in marriage. And if you're a pastor, you do it all the time. As a matter of fact, a, a great theologian of not long ago, Mr. Glenn Campbell, <laughs> sang it this way. There's been a load of compromising on the road to my horizon. <laughs> but the compromise is pointless. Uh, first of all, if it breaks the integrity of Scripture. And secondly, if you already know the outcome and it can't be changed, you only compromise when you hope that you and the person you are compromising with can get a win on both sides and it can change the outcome. Otherwise, why enter into compromise if it's not going to change anything? And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego understood that when this day is over, the outcome would be the same. It's not going to be any different by nightfall than it is right now. We are not going to bow, and you are not going to change your mind. You're throwing us into that fire, so the end result is this. We are in the hands of God. Listen, forget my credentials. Forget that I was a pastor. Let me just speak to you as a child of God. You are listening to a man that is too far on his journey. And I'm too late in the fourth quarter to change my strategy now. My strategy is simple. No compromise. If the Word of God says heaven, I'm going to preach heaven sweet. If the Word of God says hell, I'm going to preach hell hot. I'm going to keep preaching on divine healing if, if I'm, I'm sick to death in my body. I'm going to keep preaching that Jesus is coming for his church. I'm going to keep preaching that Jesus is going to rapture us away. I'm not going to compromise the message. I'm not going to compromise the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, I'm convinced that God is true, and I'm going to preach his word without fear or favor. How do you react when the heat's turned up, number two? You remain positive in the problem. Listen to their speech again. King, our God is able, and our God will. 
Listen, I wish I had the time to preach on how God is able. If I had the time to preach on how God is able, I would tell you about Ephesians chapter 3, where it says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. If I had time to preach on how God is able, I would tell you how he's able to establish us in Romans. How he's able to keep you from following and present you faultless before his glory in Jude. And he's able to make all grace abound towards you. You see, but I don't have time. Maybe another day. Maybe another day. But these three Hebrew men stayed positive in the problem their speech testifies that they were positive in their faith. Now, I'm not telling you that we need to embrace some flimsy, shallow way of thinking here that ignores the truth. We know the mess that we are in. It's evident. If you can't see that the devil is destroying the morals of this world today, I invite you to come out of the rock that you've been living in. But in the middle of a mess, they stay positive in the problem. Now, let me share this with you. I don't have a Facebook page. Okay? If I need it, I'll use my wife's page. I have decided not to baptize myself in all the negativity in this world. If they eat it, they'll put it on Facebook. If they drink it, they'll put it on Facebook. If they don't like you, they'll put it on Facebook. If they don't like your haircut, they'll put it on Facebook. And I'm not going to lock hands with all the negativity that will cause you nothing but anxiety and worry and stress. You see, the Bible tells us to focus on the good things of God. Philippians 4 says what? Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are good report. When you think of all these things of virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. How do you react when the heat is turned up? Number three. You remain worshipful in the worst. In all of this crazy chaos, don't ever lose your worship to your loving Creator. Now, I admit to you, I don't see anywhere in Daniel chapter 3 where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fell down to worship Jesus when they were in the fire. But I am still convinced that they worship Jesus in that fire because the Bible says that he inhabits the worship and praise of his people. He draws nigh unto them that draw nigh unto God. I don't know how they did it. I don't know how they expressed it. But I know that they did because their very life was an expression of worship. Their faith was an ex expression of worship. The very fact that they stayed on their feet when everyone else bowed down was an expression of worship. So God said, you're going to stand for me. So now I'm going to stand for you. You're not going to go in there by yourselves. I, I'm not going to let you face this alone. But how, how do you know they worship God, Richie? How do you know? Because the fourth man got in the fire with them. And the king said, well, well there's one. There, there's two. There's, there, there's three. There's four. Let's we'll see, one, two, three, four. I thought we put three in there. Now I see four. And the fourth man looks like the Son of God. And can I tell you where the fourth man is today? He is still in the fire with you. The fire is never too hot for the lion of the tribe of Judah. When you walk, he is in there. When the fire walks on you, he is there. Our God will never leave us nor forsake us. How do you react when the heat is turned up, number four? We worship in the resolve 
in the resolve. But here's the crutch of it. We remain at rest in our resolve. You know, those Hebrew boys didn't say, uh, they didn't say much. They didn't. But what they said was powerful. They said, King, we are not slow to answer you. Our God is able to deliver. He will deliver us out of your hands, but if not. Now listen to me. We have to deal with that. But if not issue. You see, the casual reader will say, well, it seems like there's doubt has entered into the arena here. But to the child of God, it's not doubt, it's resolve. You see, it's not building a side door if I need it, just in case God doesn't come through for me. There's no plan B. God is all sufficient. You see, it's not modifying what I've always believed. It's not that at all. If things don't turn out like I wanted, I have uh, an escape hatch over here to run out. It's not doubt. Resolve. It's king you need to know our commitment to God is not based upon what he's dumping out of his hand towards us. It's not based on things. It's not even based on blessings. Our walk with God is based upon his integrity of his heart and the character of who he is. He is able. And we really think he's going to do it. But if he doesn't. You need to know today, O king, I'm still not bowing and I'm still not giving in. And anyone here tonight that has any sense of loss, especially in the last year or two, in any of these categories, you have had to come to that point. My God is able, but if he doesn't. When you simply start saying, God, I know what I've been praying, and I know what I've been asking you for, and I'm putting all of that in your hands, uh, and I'm trusting it to your sovereignty, but if not, I'm still going to pray for the sick. I'm still going to use this body of clay and these lips of clay for your use. I'm still going to trust in you. How do you react when the heat is turned up, chaplain? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they reveal that the proof of vindication is not whether you are delivered from the fire, but who people see walking in the fire with you. Huh? I want to leave you with these verses of Scripture as I close. I'm going to close this time. I mean it. Philippians 4. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. You see, when Nebuchadnezzar's spirit turns up the fire in your life, just know the very God who created fire is with you. The irony of it all is this. The very fire that Nebuchadnezzar used to vanish away the, 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 uh, the Hebrew men of God is the very fire that caused Nebuchadnezzar to make a king's decree that all nations and tongues and people shall worship the God of the Hebrew men. Don't focus on the mountain of fire in front of you. Focus on the Lord who is above the mountain. May the Lord bless thee and keep thee. May the Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give you peace. Mm -hmm.
So Fred, uh, these drivers out there, if they want to get that close personal relationship with God, if they want to surrender completely their hearts to Him, you know, it's as easy as what? It's as easy as ABC. First of all, you need to admit that you're a sinner. For we know in Romans 3.23, it says, For all sin comes short of the glory of God. Now, my pastor told me all means all, and that's all it means. It means everyone, me, you, we all have sinned. And B stands for believe. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that whosoever, and we're all a whosoever, shall believe upon him, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And the C stands for confess. Confess in your heart that you believe Jesus Christ is God's Son. He died on the cross for your sins and mine. He rose on the third day. And if you admit, believe, and confess that, you will be saved, and you'll become part of the family, part of the family of God. So, drivers, all you have to do is pray a simple little prayer. Just pray, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I want to be a Christian. That's it. It's not the words you say. It's the coming from your heart. God hears your heart, and he will do what you say. If you ask him to save you, he will save you. Here's a, here's a prayer that you can pray right here. It says, Dear Lord, I'm a sinner. I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and I invite you to come into my heart, come into my life. I want to trust you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Cry out today and ask Christ into your heart and then give us a call right here at Lonesome Road Ministry. And what's that phone number again? 618-383-2107. That's right. Face the mountain that I never faced before. That's why I'm calling on you, Lord. I know it's been a while, but Lord, please hear my prayer. I need you like I never had before. Sometimes it takes a mountain. Sometimes a troubled sea. Sometimes it takes a desert to get a hold of me. Your love is so much stronger than whatever troubles me. Sometimes it takes a mountain. 
trust you and believe forgive me Jesus I thought I could control whatever life would throw my way but this I will admit has brought me to my knees oh and I I'm not ashamed to say that sometimes it takes a mountain sometimes a troubled sea Without hope, 
Eighteen wheels of lonesome at the end of the road. In my hand was a track the preacher had read. His words still echoing in the back of my head. I felt so ashamed when I thought of my past. Then I called his name. This chance would it be my last? Then I saw Jesus hanging on that tree. I lifted up my heart from down on my knees. Today I met Jesus at the foot of the cross, broken-hearted and lonesome. So long I've been lost. I left a lifetime of misery at the foot of the tree. If you've enjoyed what you heard and you would like to talk to Lonesome Road Ministries, give Gary a call at 618-383-2107. That's 618-383-2107. Call today. Or you can log on to our website, lonesomeroad.org. We would love to hear from you. And that phone number that Fred gave you, you can also text me your mailing address. We'd love to get you on our mailing list and send you some of these every month out there on the road. And remember this, friends. Jesus loves you. And we we do, too. We'll talk at you later. Then I saw Jesus hanging on that tree And I lifted up my heart from down on my knees Today I met Jesus at the foot of the cross Broken hearted and lonesome So long I've been lost I left a lifetime of misery the foot of the tree Then I saw Jesus Hanging on that tree I lifted up my heart From down on my knees Today I met Jesus At the foot of the cross Broken hearted and lonesome So long I'd been lost I left a lifetime of misery at the foot of the tree.